So today I'm going to wrap up uh, our series on Jonah. I'll be talking on chapter 4. I don't know about you, but I've gotten way more out of this series than I ever expected to. Uh, I'm usually a New Testament kind of guy, so digging into the Old Testament is kind of a a strange territory uh, for me. But I thought Tim and Ben did great jobs in the first three messages, so now I have to try to make something good happen with chapter 4. And unfortunately, I'm naked. I don't have my clicker today, so... If, if I feel a little awkward, it's because I don't have anything in my hand. So uh, we're going to finish up uh, chapter 4. So I'll just recap real quickly for you what the, the book of Jonah is. And uh, the title today is uh, uh, People, or excuse me, Prophets or People Too. Well, most of the book of Jonah is actually about him. Uh, and we get to see a little bit into his life, and, and we see he was not exactly a perfect uh, person. So that's something that we can relate to as, uh, as lay people because we tend to put people or pastors and prophets up on a pedestal and, and they're people just like us. So uh, this book was very good at reminding us that we're all, the ground is level. Uh, we're all the same. So if you go to the first slide, uh, when the, the chapter one opens, uh, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't think so. I'm going to go to Tarshish. So he went the, tried to go the opposite direction. And Tarshish is basically was the end of the world, known world at that time. So he was fleeing as far as he could uh, from God's direction, which was to go preach to Nineveh. And he got in a boat. And you can go to the next slide. And uh, God sent a storm. And uh, the people on the boat were very concerned. The boat wasn't doing very well, and they realized that somebody must have done something wrong, and they realized it was Jonah. And uh, so Jonah said, okay, throw me overboard. So the next slide. Uh, I couldn't imagine being uh, turning around and seeing a fish like that, but God provided a big fish. We don't know if it was a whale or a shark or whatever, but this fish came along, and it swallowed up Jonah. And while Jonah was inside of this great fish, he came to his senses and he realized that, hey, I, I need to submit to your will, O God. And he prays, and God has mercy on him. And the next slide is, um, um, <laughs> I love the expression on that guy's face. Uh, the, the, the fish uh, vomits Jonah up onto the shore. So God heard Jonah's prayer and delivered him from the belly of the fish. So Jonah gets his act together, uh, next slide, and he goes to the city of Nineveh, and he preaches. And as Ben mentioned last week, it was a very simple, very powerful message, and it was, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overturned. So as you can see uh, from the picture and also in the chapter, that his message hit home, it resonated with the people, and they repented. And then we have the next chapter opens up. Jonah is angry that that happened. So he picks, picks up and goes out east of the city, makes a little man cave, and he's going to camp out there. And scholars think he was out there for like 40 days because that was the message, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. So he camps outside of the city, but he's, he's angry. So I'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But if you want to summarize Jonah's... Uh, life. Uh, the next slide is uh, Jonah's walk with God or Jonah's relationship with God. You can see in chapter 1 uh, that Jonah walked away from God when he tried to go to Tarshish. 
So if you see an underline on the screen, that correlates to a note in your, uh, in your bulletin if you want to fill that in. Uh, so chapter 1, he walks away from God. And chapter 2, in the belly of the whale, he comes to his senses and he walks towards God and seeks God. In chapter 3, uh, when he is obedient and he preaches, he's walking with God. And then finally in chapter 4, and I'll get into this a little bit later, is that Jonah was walking ahead of God. So if you want four little points on the book of Jonah, uh, that's a pretty good summary right there. But Jonah was angry in chapter 4. So I'm going to ask you, uh, what makes you angry? Is it when the Eagles lose a football game? Is it when your husband leaves the toilet seat up? Or what about if you're ready to go somewhere and you uh, have a flat tire in your car? That's never a happy. Does it make you angry when your kids are picked on in school? Does it make you angry if you've been discriminated against because of your age, gender, or race? There's different things that can make us angry. So why was Jonah angry with God? I think that's the next slide. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 4, But he greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Now, why was he angry? Uh, next click. And it was because of what happened in, right at the end of chapter 3. And it says, God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So that's why Jonah was angry. He was angry that God was not punishing uh, Nineveh. Now, when we're angry... We do strange things. People that study the brain tell us that there's different parts of the brain that do different things, and there's a higher part of the brain that controls our uh, self-control, our judgment, it's, uh, our ability to reason. It's, it's the more noble functions of our, of our uh, thinking process. And when we get angry, that part of the brain stops working, and what they call the lower part of the brain takes over. It's where our more instinctive or reactionary or self-centered thoughts are formed, and therefore we say and do things that we normally wouldn't do. And so we see when you read chapter 4 in Jonah, is that uh, Jonah wasn't thinking as clearly uh, as it seems. Uh, and in, in some ways, he's, he was angry at God. And, and being angry at God, when you take a step back, is, is, is almost, it, it's almost a little silly. Uh, he's so much bigger than we are, and he knows more, and he's wiser, and he provides so many things for us, our, our life, our food, our daily existence, and obviously he's offered us the gift of salvation. So he's done a lot for us. So in some ways, it's ridiculous to be angry with God. Um, but what I wanted to show you was a video to help uh, uh, drive this home a little bit, and it's a, a clip from the movie uh, The Life of Brian. It's Monty, a Monty Python movie, so I just want to advise you don't go to Monty Python to get your theology, but uh, this, is, this is a good uh, illustration. And the setting is it's back in the time of Jesus, and there's a group of Jewish rebels, and they're very angry at the Romans because the Romans are occupying their territory. And so they're really upset, and they've got this plot, and they're going to try to kidnap Pilate's wife. And so I want you to hear, listen to the tail end of this clip when they finally start to, uh, to uh, think rationally. So go ahead and show the video. Up through in the main audience chamber here, and Pilate's wife's bedroom is here. 
Having grabbed his wife, we inform Pilate that she's in our custody and forthwith issue our demands. Any questions? What exactly are the demands? We're giving Pilate two days to dismantle the entire apparatus of the Roman imperial estate, and if he doesn't agree immediately, we execute her. Cut her head off. Cut all her bits off. Send them back on the hour, every hour. Show them why not to be trifled with. And of course, we point out that they bear full responsibility when we chop her up, and that we shall not submit to blackmail. No, no blackmail! They bled us white bastards. They taken everything we had. And not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. You're right, Stan. Don't labor the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without saying, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Mm -hmm. Education. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine? Yeah, yeah, that's something we've really misrated the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace. Oh, peace! Shut up! So sometimes when you're angry, things aren't as bad as they really seem. So being angry with God can be a little bit silly. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, uh, chapter 4. I'm going to point out some things that... Uh, Jonah did, and let's see if we can relate to some of the things he said and what he did about being angry. So, uh, the next slide. When, uh, when we're angry, we think we know better than God. And in verse 2, Jonah said, Therefore, to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. He's, uh, he's telling God that in order for, to undermine or to veto or stop your plan, instead of going to Nineveh at the beginning, I decided to go to Tarshish. So, Jonah thought he knew better and he wanted to head in the opposite direction, and he was trying to stop God's plan. And the only thing I can say about trying to stop God's plan is good luck with that. The next uh, uh, thing is when we're angry, is we become a drama queen. Jonah said, oh, Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Again, he's angry, he's not thinking right. I'm sure we've all been in situations where we said things that we in hindsight, look pretty stupid, like, I'm finished, I'll never talk to you again, I'm done, this isn't worth it, nobody cares, I'll never speak to you again, or just shoot me. We've all heard stuff like that. So we can become drama queens too. So when we're angry, we don't think right. The next thing we do when, what Jonah did when he was angry was uh, we quit. Next slide. We quit. In verse, yeah, verse 5, it says, Jonah went out of the city. Because God had just asked him, he said, uh, do you have good reason to be angry? And God wanted to engage Jonah in the, this, 
in this discussion, but Jonah just turned his back and marches out of the city. This is really strange because here he is, he just preached, and a revival broke out. Now, if you're a preacher, a pastor, evangelist, a prophet, you're basically involved in the art of persuasion because you're trying to get people from where they are to where you want them to be. And Jonah succeeded. So at the height of his success, he quits. He just walks out completely, completely irrational. So we need to be careful when we're angry. We don't quit something sooner than we should. Next, when we get angry, uh, we separate ourselves from others. And in verse 5, Jonas went out uh, and he made a shelter for himself. He made a shelter for himself. When we're angry, we probably don't want anybody around us. We've probably all been in moments where we've just left the room. But strangely or ironically, that's probably the time when we need other people the most a calm voice of reason to look objectively at what's going on and to slowly and peacefully talk us down and to calm us down. And it takes a wise person to do that because if, if you approach some, first of all, none of us really wants to approach anybody who's angry because it's a little bit scary. But you need to have a little bit of wisdom and just be tactful. And the Bible says a soft word turns away anger. And, um, you know, so... We need people in our lives to come talk to us when we're angry. And we also need to recognize that they're actually they're trying to help us. But when we're angry, we can separate ourselves from others. Also, when we're angry, we can become a spectator. It says in verse 5 that uh, he went out and he sat under it. He sat under a shelter until he could see. Jonah was there taking a seat and just watching. He became a spectator. Instead of being a productive participant in God's plan of preaching to the Ninevites to help them to repent, he decided just to sit down. And like I said earlier, his original message was 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. They think he sat there for 40 days. So 40 days doing nothing. So we need to be careful that when we get angry, we don't step aside and do nothing. Another thing we do when we're angry is that we judge others. He was sitting out there to see what would happen to the city. Jonah, in his mind, had already determined that judgment should have come upon the city of Nineveh. And he was angry because God didn't do that. See, Jonah was doing what we call, like in my field of work, we call it uh, malicious compliance. He was hanging on to a part of God's message, which was, 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. He was hanging on to that, and he was ignoring what happened later where God relented. And we need to be careful that when we're angry, we don't selectively take out passages of Scripture and apply them to support our view or to cast judgment on others. We need to look at the entirety of Scripture when we apply um, truth to a situation. And Jonah was angry, and he wasn't thinking right, and he already had in his mind made up that the Ninevites should be destroyed. So um, he was very much in the judgment mode, and that's something that we need to avoid. Another thing that can happen when we are angry is that we hurt ourselves. In verse 6 it says, So the Lord appointed a plant to deliver him from his discomfort. And the discomfort that he was having was he was out in the heat. And it's interesting that the Jewish word for anger, or being angry, means to be hot. 
And it's almost like God was saying, okay, you want hot, I'll give you hot. It's like a play on words here because God raised up a, a, a scorching east, uh, east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah. And it's like God was saying, you want hot, I'll give you hot. And it, I was looking at this, and Nineveh today, Nineveh is where the present-day city of Mosul is. And if you look on weather.com or someplace like that, during the summertime, the average high temperature is 106 degrees. And just recently, within the last few years, some part of the world over there broke a record for the hottest temperature on Earth. It was 128 degrees. So if you want to be hot, God can make it hotter. So you need to be careful. Because uh, a lot of times we can hurt ourselves when we're angry. We can say things and do things that we regret. We can hurt ourselves. We can hurt others. So we need to be very careful. And uh, another point when we're angry is that we can become a hypocrite. God had mercy on Jonah, but Jonah did not want God to have mercy on Nineveh. God showed mercy on, on Jonah when he brought the great fish to save his life, because otherwise Jonah would have drowned. Uh, when Jonah repented in the whale, or in the fish, God showed mercy, and the, and the fish vomited Jonah up onto the land. In the heat that Jonah was experiencing sitting outside the city, God raised up a plant. God had mercy on him. But God did not want mercy or Jonah did not want God to have mercy on Nineveh. So when we're angry, it keeps us from assessing ourselves accurately, and we can open ourselves up to being hypocrites. And finally, the last thing that, that we see in Jonah is that when we become angry, uh, we can become blind. Jonah wanted the entire city destroyed along with 120,000 young children and animals. And this is probably the saddest thing about it, being angry, is you just don't see things clearly. And he, as much as he wanted the city destroyed, he didn't care about any collateral damage. He wanted everyone dead, including innocent children that did nothing wrong. Jonah was making a sweeping generalization, and he didn't care. So we need to be careful when we're angry that we don't become blind. So the next slide, just to ask you guys a question is, so are you angry? Do you have any, any of these symptoms in your life? Uh, what are you angry about? And the question is, do you have good reason to be angry? Jonah, his anger was obviously very deep-seated. For him to act so strangely and say such strange things, something was really going on deep down inside of him. And someone said that emotions are the language of the soul. In other words, deep down in our hearts, we, we have a, if you will, we have a throne in our heart, and things that we value, we, we put on the throne. And you know, we're here in church, and we're all going to say, yeah, Jesus is on the throne of our lives. But our attention weakens, our, our focus wanes, and different things take over. It's a constant battle. Uh, John Calvin said words to the effect that the human heart's an idol factory. We're always trying to put something on our throne, something to value, something that, that gets our attention, something that we adore, something we put our focus on. But whenever that something is challenged or threatened or poked, it evokes an emotional reaction from us. 
So here, uh, the last fill-in I think on your bulletin is if, if we get angry, it's because something deep inside of us was touched. And the illustration I, I point out to you is um, how many pet owners do we have in here? I mean, just one, two, nobody. Boy, you guys are tough. We've all driven down the road and we've seen a dead cat or dead dog on the side of the road, right? You know, and we thought, well, gee, that's somebody's pet. Somebody's not going to be happy. You know, but two seconds later down the road, you know, we're not, you know, that, that dead animal's out of our mind, right? But if that was your pet cat or your dog or your pet iguana or whatever you have laying dead on the side of the road, your reaction would be completely different, right? Because that pet has a special place in your heart, right? I mean, you would be grieving for the rest of the day and probably days. I mean, we all, if we love our pets. It... So thinking, when we have something in our hearts that we value, probably value more than we should, we become vulnerable because if something knocks that off or something threatens that, we're going to feel that. We're going we're to erupt. There's going to be some kind of a reaction. And I think what was going on here uh, with Jonah is that the reason he was acting so strange and why he was angry with God was that Jonah had a different perspective of right and wrong, and he had a different sense of judgment than what God was willing to do. And what I'd like to do is just give you a little bit of background and, and, and try to back this up a little bit. Um, and it's interesting, uh, we don't have a whole lot of information about Jonah. I mean, we have the four chapters here in the book that bears his name. Jesus mentioned him in passing, but there's one other place in the Bible that mentions his name, and that's the next slide. It's in 2 Kings, and it says, He, which was King Jeroboam II of Israel, restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amadi, the prophet who was of Gath Hefer. Now, if you ever read Second Kings, a lot of it is this king ruled from this time to this time, and he did this, and then he died. Then the next king, he ruled for so many years, and he did, you know, and it's real easy just to pass right over this. But here, there's something very interesting I want to point out to you. If you can go to the next slide, is I probably can't see that very well. I'm standing in the road, but before. Jonah, and before King Jeroboam II, the kingdom of Israel was this orange spot right here. That was all that was left of the kingdom. They were invaded from the north. And you see up there where the Dan is, up there, the kingdom of Israel went the whole way up to there. They were invaded and it came down. All right, so this was during the reign of, I think it's under the, the previous kings before Jeroboam was uh, Jehosh, whatever, and whatever, I can't pronounce it. But anyway, then the next slide is uh, they got the kingdom back. Um, and you can see it went way, the, I'm sorry, the maps are, are not the same, but uh, the Sea of Araba doesn't mean anything to us, but it's actually the Dead Sea. And then Hamath is way up at the top. So they got all of that territory back because Jonah was an advisor to the king God spoke through Jonah, Jonah spoke to the king, and they led a successful campaign, and they regained all of that territory. 
All right, so what does that all have to do with being angry? Well, Jonah is an advisor to the king. It's probably like our cabinet members being advisors to the president. And I can tell you as a federal employee working for the government, I have access to information that you guys don't. And being in a high position like that, you get a whole lot more information. And probably what was happening was Jonah was hearing reports of what life was like in that, the territory that they got back. Now, after, anytime there's a war and there's territory that's conquered, there's always going to be raping, pillaging, and plundering that takes place. The Assyrians took this to a whole new level. They were barbaric beyond belief, did things unspeakable. They would cut off people's hands and feet. They would gouge out eyes. They would skin people alive. And they had this insidious means of torture is they would put a stake in the ground. They would get a victim and set them on the stake. And the stake would go up the rectum so far into their body. And the Syrians had this down to a science. They knew how far to put that stake in the body so that the person would be in agony for days until they died. Those were the type of people the Assyrians were. And Jonah, being a, a government official, I'm sure he was hearing all those reports. Why was he so angry? That's enough to make anybody angry, just what I just told you. Go back to the previous slide, please. In the verse from Kings, you remember the name Gath-Hefer? Gath-Hefer is roughly about where, if you can see where Mount Tabor is, it's just to the west or to the left of the Sea of Galilee. Jonah's hometown was conquered and occupied by the Assyrians. And there's no doubt that he had family and friends who were raped and tortured and killed by the Assyrians. Basically what Jonah, the reason why he was so angry, is he was dealing with some very thorny questions. Why does God allow evil in the world? And if God, if you're all powerful and all knowing, why don't you do something about it? That was what was going on in Jonah. It wasn't just he was having a bad day when he marched out, tried to go to Tarshish. It wasn't, he, there was something deep going on. And I think if we're all honest, we've all had those moments in our lives. And if you haven't, I guarantee you, you will have those moments in your lives. Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed. He had his reasons. We need to step back. Jonah needed to step back and say, look, God, God is God, and we're not. Isaiah tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways. God's timing isn't our timing, but God's timing is always perfect. God decided not to punish Nineveh during Jonah's ministry, but instead, 150 years later, God used another prophet named Nahum that preached against the city of Nineveh. And shortly after his preaching, 
the, um, the Assyrian Empire fell, and they, were, and they were conquered by the Babylonians. So Assyria did get their justice. They did get their judgment. But it was in God's time, not Jonah's time. So instead of rejoicing that he could have had a part, that Jonah could have had a part in God's plan of preaching a, a message of hope and repentance to the Ninevites, instead Jonah was resistant and he was, he was resentful. And he basically made himself miserable because he was holding on too long and too tightly to his own sense of what was right and wrong. You see, God knew, or Jonah knew who God really was. And if you go to the couple slides further, please. To Jonah 4. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of 4, Jonah knows who God is. He says, you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. We all like to hear that verse or verses like that when we're applying it to ourselves. But I think all of us admit that when it comes to our enemies, we probably don't want that verse to apply to them. But that's our thinking. That's not God's thinking. And we can be grateful that God is not like us. The greatest test in your life may be to accept God's plan instead of your plan. And the greatest act of faith in your life may be to submit to God's will when common sense or when human thinking would dictate otherwise. I don't know what makes you angry. I don't know what you're struggling with. I'm sure that um, you have something that's troubling you. And let me just say this. It's okay to be angry with God. Jonah, God wanted to engage Jonah. He said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Jonah didn't talk back. God wants us to be honest with him. He knows what's in our hearts anyway, so it's ridiculous to try to hide it from him. Have a dialogue with God. Whatever is eating you up inside, talk to God about it. Ultimately, we're going to have to submit to God's plan, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to repent. He wants us to be in alignment with his will. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's what God wants us to do. And like I said, that may be the ultimate test of faith in your life is to say yes to God's will. The book of Jonah largely is about Jonah and what he did and how he reacted. But also, chapter 4, or the book of Jonah, tells us that no nation or people is beyond God's compassion or concern. Jonah let his anger get in the way of his ministry. And my humble advice is don't let your anger impede your relationship with God or impede your service for him. When God directs you to do something, whatever that is, do it regardless of how you feel. Because your feelings are not the final authority in the universe. God is. Even Jesus, as he was facing Calvary, he knew that he needed to go to die for the sins of the world, but he was, he was hesitant. 
And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Ultimately, Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. We need to remember what God's done for us. If you can go to the next slide, please. Romans 5.10, it says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. And what that really means is that God did not wait for us to get our act together. God did not wait for us to, to, to be good people. Apart from him, we were rebelling, we were rebelling against him. We were in sin. We were enemies with God. God didn't wait till we got our act together before he sent Jesus to die. He took the first step. He took the initiative. And he sent his son to die for us. And just like God sent Jonah to his enemy, God, was, God did not want Jonah to wait for the, the Assyrians to be friends with Israel. All right? God sent Jonah while, he was, while they were enemies with Israel. A very, very hard thing to do. And I just explained the reason why. So basically, uh, the last slide, I think, is, you know, what is God calling you to do? I can't answer that for you. I don't know what difficult situations you're facing in your life. But you're in a unique situation. You have your own sphere of influence that nobody else has. You meet people, you contact people that no one else does. You may be the only reflection of God that some people may see. So I don't know what God's calling you to do with the people in your life, but how, whatever, however you respond, you just remember this. Your response will either make you bitter or it'll make you better. Jonah became angry. He was bitter. Jesus followed the God's will, and that's what we should be doing, following God's will to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So that wraps up Jonah for us. I hope this is meaningful for you, but it's not an easy chapter to end on, but God does care about each and every one of us. He knows our pain, and he's there for us. So if any of you want to pray after the service, you have a situation. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you.